Hi, I'm Lynette White. Hi, I'm Dr. Renee Bryant. And we are your hosts for the Ed Branding Podcast. Which is all about amplifying connections, voices, and stories in education. If you haven't already, please follow the Ed Branding Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms so you know when our episodes drop. And if you haven't yet as well, please go to YouTube and like and subscribe the Ed Branding YouTube channel. And on this episode of the Ed Branding Podcast, we have Dr. Nick Poliak. Nick is the proud superintendent of the award-winning Leiden Community High School District 212. He earned his undergrad degree from Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois, and his master's from Governor State University, and finally his EDD from Loyola University in Chicago. Nick has been a classroom teacher and coach, building uh, and and district level administrator, a school board member, and a superintendent for the past eight years in both central Illinois and suburban Chicago. Nick has earned an IASA School of Advanced Leadership Fellowship, and he also graduated from the AASA National Superintendent Certification Program. He is the co-moderator of the monthly Twitter chat, hashtag soup chat, with Dr. Michael Lubelfeld. He has also authored a few books. We are super excited for this interview today. Ah, Dr. Nick Poliak, we're so excited to have you with us. Uh, Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us here on a Sunday morning, too. We really appreciate you. So we, I first met you and Michael Lubenfeld, Dr. Michael Lubenfeld, during uh, Soup Chat. Um, I saw that the Twitter chat was happening for superintendents, and I questioned, like, can I join this? And you and Michael were so kind. You said, I I think I private messaged you. You said, okay, yes, you can join. Anyone can join. And so just like always, you're building the capacity of people. And then I had the pleasure of meeting you both when you presented at ASA NCE, and you were part of the aspiring superintendents graduations with your academy that you do. And so, um, yes, shortly after you had published another book, a third book called The Unfinished Leader, and you and Michael led um, those learnings on uh, Monday, three Mondays in a a row, and donated your time to build the capacity of others. So appreciated that time together. So I gave a little intro, and I gave a little intro, but for those people that don't know you, will you tell, please tell our The Ed Branding Podcast audience a little more about you. Sure. Well, first of all, Renee, Lynette, thank you so much. I appreciate you and what you're doing for our for our profession by doing this. So I'm just honored to be here with you today. Um, I'm I'm an educator. I'm a teacher. I've been in education for almost 25 years. I was a high school math teacher, uh, building level administrator, district level. Um, I've been a school board member, uh, but I've been a superintendent for the last 15 years in two different school districts. And so I currently am very proud to serve Leiden Community High School District. We're in suburban Chicago, and we're located right outside of O'Hare Airport uh, for for folks who know that area. Uh, But outside of that, I'm a husband of 23 years. I'm a dad of four kids. I'll have two in college and two in high school this year. And that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. I totally feel you on the uh, kids in high school and college. That's what I have going on in my life. But I have three. I wasn't wasn't an overachiever like you with four kids. (laughs) I always say three's the party, four is just, you're always going, huh? Um, You you live these years and your life is not your own, right? You're just chasing kids around in really good ways. Like I wouldn't trade it, but that's all you do. 
Yeah, for sure. So it's been so nice to get to meet you. um, And we're excited to get started with this interview. I would like to start with the same question that we ask everyone at the beginning. Uh, Renee's brand is connection. My brand is tell your story. In one word or short phrase, what would you say your brand is and why? Uh, thanks, Lynette. I was I was thinking about this question, and you know, I, I I strongly kind of connect with that word connection too. But I'm gonna I'll pick a different word. I'm gonna choose the word trajectory. Um, I was a high school math teacher, as I said, and I used to teach geometry, and I used to teach angles and you know and all kinds of equations and things. But I love the idea of every kid and every adult that we interact with is on some trajectory. They're going somewhere you know, in a certain direction at a certain rate. And I view my role is to positively impact that trajectory. Even if I only change it by one degree, and I may not even notice the difference in the moment, if you change that trajectory by one degree, and then you fast forward out a couple of years, that person ends up in a completely different place. And so I find a lot of value, even if I don't see the impact I make in the moment, even the littlest impacts have a big difference down the road. Love that. And, um, you know, we always we have this idea of like and people should calibrate their brand with other people. So for the the time that I've known you, definitely that the connection and trajectory both seem like great brands uh, that you can claim and are calibrated and aligned. So uh, with all that you're doing, which really leads me to the next question, because it's another way that you're changing people's trajectories, and that's by your authorship. So you, Dr. Michael Lubenfeld, and uh, Dr. Philip J. P.J. Kaposi have authored four books, The Unlearning Leader, Student Voice, and The Unfinished Leader. And I think you have The Unfinished Teacher that's soon to be released um, in the next year or so, right? Um, So they say that if there's a book that you want to read that hasn't yet been written, write it, right? And then our friend Dave Burgess says it's our moral imperative uh, to share information that we have to help our school communities. So with all of this, what was your motivation to write these books? And really uh, specifically, why did you decide to de- dedicate an entire book to student voice? Well, I, I like what you said, Renee, that it's like some little way you can give back to your profession, you know, to share, uh, having been in it for a while. I don't think I have all the answers, not even close. But there's some things I've learned over the years and some perspectives I can share that may help the next generation of leaders, just like people before me, I was reading their books and learning and growing. So if we can contribute to that cycle, I I find that really meaningful. Uh, Writing for the three of us is kind of cathartic. It's a a thing we can do outside of our day-to-day where we connect and kind of play off one another. And so it's a a positive thing for us to do. In terms of student voice, Um, I really have this strong belief that we all go to work every day in these multi-million dollar buildings, right? These like huge facilities and, and, you know, athletic fields and all this stuff, but nobody built those things for us. There was no, no person back in time saying, you know what, there are some adults that need a place to work. Let's build some schools, right? So the only reason these buildings exist, the only reason we have jobs is for the kids, and so, you know, to, to involve them in their education, to let them be central pieces in the decision making and what goes on in their day to day life, it just seems obvious to me. But people just need strategies and they need some models and examples to, to look at. 
I love that. So uh, can you give us a couple examples? I mean, we don't want you to give away your whole book here, but what are a couple, like I've heard you speak, I've I, I've interviewed you before. So can you please share a couple of uh, nuggets from that book that you think people, uh, you know, uh, would gain from? Yeah. I, in Illinois, our school boards have seven members. So seven people are elected to, to be the school board. Um, at Leiden for the last six years, we have chosen to have nine board members. So every year we appoint two students to sit at the same table. They represent each of their high schools. They are the, the constituent, they, they represent the constituency of the students in their schools, just like the elected adults represent the constituency of the town they live in. And so we said, if we really believe in student voice and agency and advocacy, let's put our money where our mouth is and let's put kids at the table of the highest decision-making that happens in the school district. And so all the communications I send to the Board of Education, they get as well. If we're going to a legislative dinner, if we're going to the state school board conference, our student board members are there along with us. They get to contribute to every discussion, every decision. And so it's really just us saying, this isn't lip service. We're going to really value and ingrain student voice in what we do. That's awesome. And I have to say, so it, uh, I've recently started at Banning Unified. It's a 5,000 student district. So it's a smaller district for California. Um, And they have a student board member. So there are five member board, five elected officials, and they have a student board member that comes in. And uh, like you said, she's representing, it was a she, uh, representing the students, student voice. And I love it out of the three districts I've been in. um, The four months that I got to work with the student board member was just a really cool experience of uh, bringing them on as part of the governance team, as they should be, I think. I think it's a... Lynette, the first year we did this, there was kind of a, I don't want to say it's controversial, but it was a difficult conversation the board was having around the potential elimination of valedictorian, salutatorian, and class rank. And, you know, that's a that's an ingrained piece of education that people know, right? They had it when they were kids, their kids went through that. And so it was a difficult conversation for our school board to process. And uh, they turned to our student board members and said, well, what do you think? And they said, my friends and I, we take classes based on which classes, which ones are going to get us the highest GPA. So we don't necessarily take the classes we're interested in all the time. We know how to play the game. And so they, they said, we think we should get rid of this because then people could be free to do. And the board looked at me and they said, why haven't we been doing this for years? And so that was it. I mean, that just sealed the fate for the future of that. That's awesome. I love it. I love any way that you can bring in student voice. Cause like you mentioned, like the buildings are not for the adults, it's for the kids. And that's the whole purpose why we're here. Um, so I do want to pivot a little bit to discuss your monthly Twitter chats, uh, the hashtag soup chat. Um, we did ask Michael when he was on, uh, I know you're a co-founder also. So what made you start this? Um, and why should superintendents and aspiring superintendents participate? Uh, I, I'll try not to repeat, Mike, because <laughs> uh, we have the same talking points on these things. But we've been doing Soup Chat for eight years now. It seems crazy. And it started as just a way for us to stay connected with some colleagues across the country. And when we opened it up, people just started coming from different states, from different countries. And Mike and I have always said, as long as people keep showing up, we're going to keep doing it because it's not a super heavy lift for us. But the the idea is, um, and I'm sure you've heard this before, ideas, good ideas are not zip code centric, right? Like nobody has a market on all the good ideas. They're everywhere. 
And so the degree to which you can connect with other people and, and learn from one another and be humble enough to say, maybe this person has a great idea. Like one of the things I love the most during soup chat is when I see two people say, hey, let's connect offline. DM me if you want more information. You know, and now going back to my to the beginning, that's a trajectory thing for me. Just because we created soup chat, these two people made a connection they otherwise wouldn't have. And I don't know what that's going to generate in their school districts, but it's going to do something, right? And so that's like super affirming and exciting for us when we see connections being made um, because of just the fact that we create the space. Definitely. And I see that interwoven your brand with the connection part, right, Renee? Yes, definitely. And uh, I was just going to say, and you did not repeat the things that Michael said. So <laughs> great job. Uh, you two are like brothers, but you have your own uh, answers here for sure. All right. So pivoting a little bit differently, um, you know, uh, talking about educators from all over the nation, we're all facing different things. And so uh, one thing that we're all facing right now as a collective is the reversal of affirmative action. And then in Florida specifically, um, their state board of education using the words like benefits and slavery in the same sentence. So um, as a successful superintendent, what is your advice for how leaders can move social justice goals forward? Mm. Um, well, that's such a hard question, right? Um, there, there's this reality that I live every day. And, you know, I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to the other interviews, you know, and I am in the majority, right? I'm the white male superintendent that is representative of the vast majority of us across the country. Um, but in my case, I serve a school community that is 75, 80% Latinx, that speaks over 30 languages. And so my experiences, my life doesn't really match my students much at all. Not that any of us do exactly, but so I always have to ask myself these questions of how am I learning and growing to be the superintendent they need me to be? And so when it came to um, issues like DACA, to get on the intercom and reaffirm our students that they're loved and accepted, and this is a safe place for them. You know, we, we got on and we said that to our students um, a couple of years ago. When it came to um, the Black Lives Matter movement and marches, to go and help them with whatever organization they needed, and then to go out there and walk alongside our students. And so when it comes to these issues, I think we just don't bury our head in the sand. We need to partner. And so student voice, again, how do we amplify them in the system and come alongside them? So that they know we're partners. You know, we're not the we're not the opposition on this. We're all in this together. So it's it's kind of case by case, depending on the issue. But I think if as long as you ground yourself in student voice and, and helping them advocate, helping them mature and grow to be the future, you know, leaders we need this country to be, that's the answer. I love that. I love that. And I think at Anaheim Union, I have to give credit to our superintendent, Michael Matsuda. That's really been his approach to this idea of student voice and grounding in democracy, right? And um, those are things that people can't argue and empowering our families as well, our communities to use their voices. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that answer. I really appreciate that. 
All right. So you and Michael are also the AASA Aspiring Superintendent Academy Hybrid Learning Model Facilitators. Please tell us about your academy and who can participate. Um, Mike and I, we've been, obviously, we're just, you know, we're brothers, right? We, um, not in real life, but we're brothers. And so we've we've been blessed to have all these really cool opportunities, whether it's speaking or writing or presenting, whatever. Um, we started eight years ago, this program in Illinois called the Aspiring Superintendents Academy. And the idea was to build up the bullpen, help develop the next generation of leaders because the pool is shrinking, right? And people, they need that little leg up. They need somebody to show that they believe in them and to empower them to, to make that leap. And so we started just teaching this academy and we've been doing it for eight years, about 40 folks a year. Well, that program then kind of intersected with AASA and we started to take their framework and our curriculum and blended it into, literally blended into this hybrid model where we're working with educational leaders across the country every year. And so folks literally from state to state, we get together in person a few times a year and we do the rest of our lessons and simulations on Zoom. But the, the, the key premise to this is to demystify the job of superintendent. Hey, you know what? I know it's a scary thing, but you can do it. Heck, if Mike and I, like, if anything, look at us. If we pulled it off, you can do it for sure. But to, to give people some tools and experiences to really, you know, pull back the curtain and say, this is what the job is. And if there's a part that you're not comfortable with, if you're worried about finance, here's the resource. This is who you talk to. If you didn't come up doing curriculum work, this is the organization that'll help you with the curriculum work. You can do this with these resources and with this network of colleagues and peers we're building. And so um, I, I always, I think in terms of like analogies sometimes, but the, um, the, the legacy piece to this, if you look at some of the major coaches that have existed across sports in, in the US, we often talk about their coaching trees. You know, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke and Bill Belichick for the Patriots, they have all these assistant coaches who go on to be coaches other places and they call it their coaching tree. Mike and I have kind of come to embrace this superintendent tree mentality and really taking pride like mama and papa bear over our aspiring folks who go on to become superintendents that we stay in touch with and kind of build this, you know, generational network of leaders across the country. And so I love, love, love teaching the Aspiring program. It keeps me connected to my teaching roots and it helps us grow these connected superintendents across the country. I love that because not only are they, you know, gaining the skills that, uh, that the two of you are sharing with them, but also they're developing their professional learning network. Um, having gotten to, uh, getting the opportunity to work with the superintendents I have, I know that it can be lonely. And so it's so important for them to have that, that network. So it's very cool. I mean, that's a very cool part of the academy that they're gaining is that network of people they can, you know, lean on when they need to, or ask questions to, um, in addition to all the wonderful things that you teach. So thank you. Thank you for answering that. Yeah, no problem. And and Lynette, you'd asked about who can do it. Really anybody. We've had um, assistant superintendents, deputies, directors, principals, assistant principals, you name it, you name the job title. We've had those folks in the program. So if, and I'm, hopefully I'll say this at the end again, but if folks have questions about that, they can always reach out. 
Mike and I are both pretty accessible and easily reachable. I love that. And we will definitely put your contact info in the show notes. So. Yes, and we could put a link to the uh, Academy because uh, I'm not sure when our episode is going to air, but I know that you're accepting applications now, right, for the next group. So uh, hopefully some we'll get some people from our podcast signed up for your Academy. Um, all right. So this has gone really fast, but it's been super valuable. So uh, we want to thank you for the time that you spent with us and then just ask you if there's anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners. Um, last thing I'll share, and I, I try to say this as often as I can, I think in our profession, we all fall victim to this, um, this idea that we're not good enough, right? The imposter syndrome, somebody's going to find out that I'm not qualified or whatever. And, and people always talk about that in a very negative light. And I've come to have this core belief that when you feel those things, I think it's actually a really positive character trait for your humility, as long as you're willing to do something with it, Right. Is if, if you feel like you don't know, well, then what are you going to do with that? Who do you need to connect with? What do you need to read? Where do you need to go? What do you need to learn to start to fill that in? But if any of your listeners feel like they're not good enough or they're not enough for whatever, turn that into a positive, right? Make the connections, go find the people because we can. And the, once you become a superintendent and you get to know other superintendents, you're like, wait a minute, I can do this. Like if this person's been doing it, I can do it. It, you know, it starts to, the walls start to come down. And so um, I would just hope that we can be an encouragement to one another. Love it. Well, you definitely are changing trajectories uh, daily and you're definitely an encouragement to me. And I know hundreds, if not thousands of other people. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Yes. Thank you for your time. Anytime. Uh, Renee, Lynette, thank you again for what you're doing. To, to make these connections for folks. It's meaningful and it's needed work. So I appreciate what you're doing. Ah, Lynette, as we say with a lot of our episodes, it was a masterclass with Dr. Nick Poliak, superintendent. Oh my goodness. And what I'm really thinking about, what's really resonating with me is this idea of, um, you know, our student board members. So not every single district has student board members and not every single district has them from each of their schools. Um, and also not every district that has student board members gives them full voting access as well. That's a big thing. They have them on their boards they get to read the agendas, but then they only get to vote on those items that um, are just something for students, like clubs. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you can vote on the club thing. And so I love that they um, are making sure that their scholars uh, that are representing their scholars with their sites are actually getting to vote on everything and have true governance from A to Z, so to speak. And also, um, this idea, right, of getting read, like we in California, like we pretty much, there's a saying like, how California goes, the rest of the nation goes, right? We don't want it to be the opposite of how Florida goes, right? But we're pretty proud of California. And uh, so, you know, I, I am too. I'm like, oh, look at California. We're the first to desegregate, blah, 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 right? And so, um, you know, this idea that they got rid of valedictorian and salutatorian, I mean, you and I, we had those in our high schools. I don't think either of us were one of those. But no, no. It's a part of the tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's 
that. So I thought that was really exciting too. What uh, what what resonated with you? Well, uh, to tag on that, I I know with the whole valedictorian salutatorian thing, like I totally agree with what he was mentioning. The student said, "Were okay. Well, then I can actually take a course that I like." Um, I know a friend of one of my kids had a really high GPA. Uh, the student was going to be either valedictorian, salutatorian, like the GPA was just that high and had to choose to drop the sport, the period for the sport, because it was killing the GPA of that student. It was like, gosh, you know, the student has worked so hard for the four years, senior year, you can't even take the sport that you want to take for six period because it's going to drop your GPA and so you're so worried about being valedictorian or salutatorian. I'm sure the students in Illinois are able to get into amazing colleges without that, you know, little title that goes along with it. So it's a lot to think about, definitely a lot to think about. Um, the other thing that resonated in this episode was when he mentioned getting on the PA system and, you know, addressing the DACA students, addressing the Black Lives Matter students. Um, and he even said himself, like, I'm a white man, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the background, I don't look like the students, but that doesn't mean that he can't make them feel seen. And something as simple as that makes a student feel seen, validated, loved. And so that really touched me uh, because most of the educators in my life were typically white males. Um, and I don't think that I ever had an experience where I felt really truly seen like that. So the, the fact that he uh, provides that to his students was really meaningful for me. So I thank him for that. And I thank him for sharing that. Yes. Awesome. Awesome episode. All right. So once again, thank you all for listening to the Ed Branding Podcast. And if you haven't already, please download our episodes, listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you prefer to watch them, then go to YouTube and watch our The Ed Branding YouTube channel. And Lynette, what's up with you? Okay. So what's up with me is Connect Ed. Connect Ed is connecting communities, building trust. I have partnered with Robert Lopez, Chris Gokey, Brianna Benavides, and we are helping districts to actively tell their story, uh, be very proactively telling their story by amplifying their district's voice, ensuring accurate and positive representation, um, and just aligning their organizational efforts uh, with their LCAPs and their district and board goals and priorities and just really telling a really good comprehensive story of their district. So if you need help getting your district story out there, getting it told, uh, maybe implementing a brand ambassador program, please contact us. The info is in the show notes. Yay. And thank you again <laughs> for listening. <laughs>